Hello and welcome to the new episode of Women in Customer Success podcast, the first women-only podcast where remarkable ladies of customer success share their stories and practical tools to help you succeed and make an impact. I'm Maria Skobe-Pile, your host. It is such a pleasure to welcome Sumitra Narainan, customer success leader at Linear B. Hey, Sumitra, welcome to the show. It's really nice to have you here today. Hey, Maria. Likewise, it's a pleasure to be on this show. Thanks so much for having me. I have been so impressed by what you have done in life so far and by some very cool things that you're doing. So I wonder, would you like to introduce yourself to the audience? And I know that your story is really, really wonderful. So just to give a little bit of background about myself, I entered customer success purely by accident. I was a fresh engineering grad from Stanford looking for actually software jobs and ultimately hoping to go into product management or some other non-engineering but still tech role. So I started off my customer success journey at CleverTap CleverTap back then in 2015 was a startup and they were looking for their first technical customer success hire. And this role and its hybrid tech and customer facing nature appealed a lot to me. So I really jumped at the opportunity and have never looked back. I'm really glad that I made the decision to continue on this track. CS has so much potential to be on the front lines of the product. I love how we can influence its development while building lasting relationships. At the moment, I'm currently leading the customer success team at Linear B. And just to give listeners a quick background, Linear B is a B2B SaaS company in the increasingly relevant productivity space for software teams. So we provide intelligence into the software delivery process and easy automation to improve the productivity of this process. And this is something that we provide to engineering orgs across various tech companies. And at the moment, I currently have close to six years of experience in customer success and solutions engineering. And yeah, that's a little bit about what I'm doing so far. Sumitra, do you miss the actual engineering part when you are in customer success now? You know what? It's quite interesting because customer success is quite open-ended and has such a broad spectrum of what you can do within the scope of customer success. So I've always tried to keep myself on the technical side of customer success. If you recall, my first role at CleverTap, I was actually hired to be almost a hybrid of a customer success manager plus engineer. So I was really helping a lot with technical integrations, getting our customers technically integrated into our platform and helping troubleshoot any issues they were facing, helping craft custom solutions for them to use alongside the product. And similarly in Linear B, day in and day out, I work extensively with various personas in various sections of engineering. So VPs of engineering, CTOs, team leads, developers, even product managers. So day in and day out, we're actually advising and consulting with them on how they can better improve their software delivery process. So still staying highly technical and involved and keeping up with what's going on in the tech space. 
I think this is just so wonderful. As you're talking, I'm thinking you have such a heavy technical background, engineering background. My background is completely something else, music. Mm-hmm. And we both are in customer success and we both can be successful from our different perspectives in the same role just by providing that different edge to our customers. So as you said, you might be still focusing more on that solution engineer excites you. I like that strategic part of and building relationship. Okay, okay, that's common for everyone, of course. But it's right. just so wonderful to come from so many different and various perspectives and backgrounds and still succeed in the same type of role. Right. Sumitra, tell me more about your Stanford journey. It is, of course, very impressive. You started at Stanford, you spent a year there for your master's degree. Just tell me more. How was the whole experience for you? Just you asking me to share my experience kind of brings back a little bit of butterflies because it was quite a journey. And first and foremost, I'm really humbled. I feel like there was definitely an element of luck there that helped me get in because it was a little bit of a long shot in a sense. I was almost not going to apply to Stanford for grad school because I felt like maybe I'm good, but am I good enough for Stanford? I mean, it's always been a lifelong dream for me to attend Stanford. So when I found out that I got in, it was super exciting. I just couldn't believe it. And I felt like even if I have put in some hard work from my end, there's definitely got to be some element of luck because me, like why me, right? So I decided rather than looking at it as I don't deserve to be here, let me look at it as this is a great opportunity for me. I've been given the opportunity and I'll do my best to make the most of it. So I started my journey at Stanford in the electrical engineering department, actually, but with a specialization in computer software systems. So for all practical purposes, it was a computer science degree. And my background in undergrad was actually more of electronics. So electronics, communication, networking, so a little bit of computer science, but not as much in terms of proper computer science fundamentals. So I actually had to start my journey in computer science almost from scratch in grad school, because I had to basically make up on some of the fundamentals, the computer science fundamentals that I didn't have. But boy, did I enjoy the course material so much. I found that I really loved to code. I loved cracking these coding challenges and implementing solutions that were elegant and helpful in solving everyday problems. But at the same time, this was really challenging too, because I feel like the whole level at Stanford, the level of the coursework, the level of the exams, the problems, the problem sets that you were given it was just all completely on a different level. So I really had to like pull my level up and really, really work super hard to even scrape through, I felt like. I ended up doing well, but it was definitely a long and arduous journey. And I met so many people there and worked with so many people who are so much smarter than me. So bottom line, I felt super lucky to be given the opportunity to go to Stanford. I felt like I did my best to make the most of it and continue to be humbled by all these smart and intelligent people that I'm surrounded by. I was surrounded by there and I got to learn so much from. I do think you are very humble. Like you have done really, really well. And another thing that is so interesting for me is not only you have done amazingly at Stanford, but 
you started helping others and helping other high school students and undergrads just get into their universities of their dreams. Is that something that you are still doing? Tell me more about that initiative because it's really wonderful. It's getting your whole experience straight back into the community. So yes, this is something that I'm still doing and I'm really happy that I'm getting the chance to do this. We were just talking about my experience at Stanford, right? So I got to do my master's in computer science there. And the whole reason that this started out is a lot of fellow students and peers and my juniors, they would keep asking me, hey, so you got into Stanford. Can you share your statement of purpose with me? And for reasons of plagiarism, I wasn't super comfortable in sharing my statement of purpose directly with them, but I really still wanted to help them out. So I said, you know what, I'm probably not comfortable sharing my statement of purpose with you directly, but I would love to help you out. Why don't you start putting pen to paper and getting some thoughts down and I'll help you refine and tweak and shape this into a compelling essay. So yeah, that's how this all started. And up until the beginning of this year, I wasn't doing it in a formal capacity, but now I've actually started putting time aside to volunteer and do this. And I'm really proud and happy to say that the students that I've helped so far have gained admission into prestigious schools such as Carnegie Mellon, Cornell, Columbia, Stanford, Yale, University of Pennsylvania, and even University of Wisconsin-Madison, to name a few. So this endeavor is called Scribe with Sumi. And yeah, I actually have a website that I'm happy to share with listeners. If you want any help with your grad school essays, particularly STEM graduate programs, I'm more than happy to help. And writing is one of my passions. So yeah, really happy to be able to give back and do this for the community. Oh, that's really wonderful. I hope the audience, whoever, have desires to undertake more studies, undergrads, or have children who should be in a similar situation, speak to Sumi. And you said you like writing. I think that I can see that in your involvement with CS Insider because you've been writing for them for the last few months. Really beautiful articles. Can you tell me more about your role there and what can listeners expect? I know it's a report going out bi-weekly. So what is your corner? What should the listeners take or pay attention to? I am doing this column with CS Insider, and I really appreciate the opportunity, by the way, because there's so many talented contributors that are part of the CS Insider's team. So to have my own corner called Sumi's Success Tips for success in customer success. So that's my little corner. And Basically, the whole premise of Sumi's success tips is to keep it brief, keep it simple, but provide effective tips on how you can succeed in everyday customer success. Some of the topics that I've written about have been how to basically maintain your portfolio of accounts and successfully report on how well you're doing with these accounts, you know, account health as a customer success manager is so important and not just knowing account health, but taking the right next steps to make sure that our accounts continue to be in good health or bringing them to good health. Another piece that I also recently wrote was about takeaways that we can bring in from our personal relationships to apply to our customer relationships. You know, the idea just popped into my head one day that, hey, my friendships and my relationships with family, they're so much more effortless, but I feel like we're 
constantly fighting an uphill battle as customer success managers to maintain relationships with our customers sometimes, right? So why isn't it easier? Why aren't we making it easier for ourselves? So yeah, that's a little bit about what I've written so far. And that's something that was for me very interesting. And I was looking forward that we could talk about it more today. So really, what are your tips about maintaining those customer relationships in such an easy and effortless way? I'm just thinking how to put it in practice. As the whole year in the pandemic, of course, things have changed. And I have seen it in my own experience. You are almost getting a bit more personal with customers as you're at home. They hear your child. They ask for the name. Or it's same if some of their children come to the Zoom, for example. So those yeah. are Previously, I would never, ever thought that I would talk to my customers about my children. But I even had situations <laughs> of my customers calling me just to talk about the children and how her kids are now and how she was raising them and giving me some tips. And it was just a nice conversation. Again, never, ever previously would I even thought about it. And it was just so interesting. But at the beginning for me, it was almost with a little bit of pinch in my stomach. Oh, my kids are around me and I need to jump on a customer call. And I would be so stressed out and really like having that mindset. It's a customer. It is a whole new category. It's not like friends oh I can't bring my kids to the zoom call so tell me how do we break those barriers and what are your tips of making those relationships effortless yeah absolutely and I know that we often tend to like have these silos right like okay so I have my personal relationships with friends and family and then I have my professional relationships with my colleagues And then the next level of that is customers, because in customer success, we're always like, oh, a customer call. Yeah, this is important. Like, I need to be at my best and I need to make sure there's no background noise or anything funny going on in the background. And there's always a little bit of, I guess, inherent pressure, which I would say is a little bit all for the best, right? Just because we do want a little bit of pressure to make sure that we're prepared and we're providing value to our customers. But... I think at the end of the day, we also need to realize that, hey, this is our job, like day in and day out, we're talking to customers. So why not embrace and celebrate the human element of the folks we're talking to? Because they're a lot like us too, right? I mean, of course, we are there to provide them help and provide value. But at the end of the day, we can bring in a friendship too. Like we can recognize that, hey, for example, where are you located? Hey, I'd love to visit. Or, hey, I've been there before, right? Or I have seen on client calls, their children come in the background, or I've always noticed that human element here and there, right? Like sometimes someone will come in and bring them some food or their child will come in and suddenly hand them a toy. There was a funny incident where I was talking to a customer and it was a pretty serious discussion. Of course, not a negative discussion, but just a serious and intense discussion. And this client was gesturing a lot with his hands. And all of a sudden, a toy is there in his hands. It's almost like magic. Like, where did that toy come from? It was so cute and funny. And I think he realized what happened because it all happened so fast. And he was just like, oh, no, not now. And he just handed the toy back to his kid. I think probably his kid wanted some help with getting that toy fixed. So it's like these small moments like these that I think really put things in perspective and make you realize that, hey, we can accomplish work and 
help provide value to our customers. But it's also important to recognize, especially in these days of the pandemic and even post-pandemic, that there is a human element we get to see and we might as well embrace it and try to build those small relationships with our customers too. Like it is possible. Especially three pandemics. I've been, well, not especially, but only pre-pandemic, I've been going on-site uh, very often. And of course, on-site right. visits will always involve coffee or lunch and just a lot of casual conversation. And as I'm in Europe and working with European customers, it's all about that kind of relationship and face-to-face. And they are asking for it probably more often than in some other parts of the world. But somehow I would always have that mindset of, yeah, okay, they are customers, It's fine, it's casual, but you know, you wouldn't just do it randomly. So if you had a chance, would you just go randomly with some of your customers out for a coffee completely unrelated to the work? And how would you go about it? Long term, do you think it is always just a positive or there are some disadvantages as well of being very friendly with customers? There is something to think about, right? Because I would say it's mostly positives. And again, you don't have to force anything. Like you don't have to be like, oh, I need to be on friendly coffee terms with every single customer I talk to. I mean, that's completely unwarranted pressure and it's not necessary. It's more so building those small relationships with customers. Like, hey, what is one thing that this customer and I can relate on? It doesn't have to evolve into, hey, I want to go out for coffee with this customer. And hey, if it evolves into that organically, that's great because there's certainly customers now, like even now, like back from my days at Clevertap, that I still keep in touch with on a more casual basis and just check in on them and see how they're doing. And I would love to go out for coffee with them, of course, post-pandemic and all of that. But basically, bottom line is we don't need to force anything. It's more about just celebrating those small relationships or those one or two little things that you can relate on with every single customer that basically serve as fuel to ensure that the customer relationship remains intact. And if that evolves into a more casual relationship as well or a more informal relationship as well, then that's great. So do you have any tips for us how to go out of that category mindset? Oh, that's a customer. It's very different from family, very different from friends. So how can you go out from that mindset into just being more relaxed about it all? Yeah. So just like with any other relationship, it's just about giving it that time. The way that I would see it or my perspective is that every single customer call I'm on I try to start it off on a positive and a little bit more of a casual note. And this puts not only my mind at ease, but it puts the customer's mind at ease too. Hey, how are you doing? How's your day going? What's been up? And sometimes they actually answer the question and will tell me a little bit more about how their day is going. And that's when you kind of break that ice. And now I know that it's not possible to sustain this level of conversation with every customer all the time. But sometimes I find that there's a little bit of an opening to say, hey, for example, I had a customer that I was talking to just yesterday who lives in the Boston area and we were waiting for someone else on their team to join us. So in the meantime, we spoke about Boston a little bit and I've visited before and I really enjoyed it. So we got to chat about that. 
So it went from not knowing anything about this customer, because this was the first time that I was talking to this customer, to actually think, hey, we have a little something to relate on. So even if, I guess, a friendship doesn't grow out of it, we do have that little something, that little relationship to share and continue to sustain the customer relationship. And who knows, maybe the more we talk, the more I can say something like, hey, I'm coming down to Boston. Would you like to grab a coffee sometime? So I would say give it a little bit of time. Let it be organic, nothing to force. Just focus more on those small relationships. And it's a bonus if an actual more informal relationship evolves from that. That is wonderful. Recently, we hear a lot about the whole concept of return on relationships. And no matter if you are even working with some of those customers that you establish very good rapport, very good relationship, they will remember your company because of you, because of how you were making them feel as well when they were working together with you, even when you move to some other company. Those are the links that can't just break easily. So it is really nice to maintain those relationships. And I like your tip about start the calls in that more casual note. I have actually an example Mm -hmm. and it was at the beginning of the year when I was having customer calls and very often I would start with, so how was your new year? You know, do you have any resolution or something in those terms, really small chat. And one person started saying on one call, well, actually my new year didn't start well. I had a tragedy in the family. We needed to travel and she really started opening up and she started saying what is happening. And I just realized, oh, wow. We can have the conversation about it and I can listen, of course. And we had a call for maybe 30 minutes Mm -hmm. just discovering what was happening. And I was offering a good ear and just be there for that person. And at the end, I said, it's fine. Let's just have another call in a few weeks to talk about business because this is really important. And that's an example that I would always remember how just starting with some small talk in a good way, not in small talk to waste someone's time, but how that can really mean... It can bring a lot of difference in particular situations. And sometimes that is really the most important value that you can provide for a person on another side of the line. Yeah. And I think especially now in the pandemic with people working from home much more often these days, like you really get to see that human element as well. So not just hear about it, but see it too. So I think it becomes all the more important to keep in mind the fact that your customers are similar to you. They have their families, they have their friends, they have their personal things going on. And sometimes they just need a shoulder to lean on and happy to provide that for them, right? I feel like it's kind of just built into customer success. Listen, help, provide value. Absolutely. And I really like that you are providing us with tips, with information, with with your articles about it, because it's really important. And I think in the world, we all are going more and more towards not only how we call it H2H, human to human approach, but like, what does it really mean? And it is creating those partnerships and those relationships, not thinking about customer vendor, all of that really builds together into those strong relationships that are very beneficial to your personal success and also success of your company. Sumitra, you're having lots of different tips for us, which I really appreciate. What have been your tips for career progression so far? I think I have a good one here, something that really resonated well with me. There was a concept that my manager, our Linear B co-founder and COO, Dan, recently spoke about, and it's called servant leadership. 
So as a young manager who's more comfortable collaborating than working above those in my team, I was wondering if I was not being a good enough manager. So for example, my relationship with those in my team is much more of a conventional partnership than it is a conventional manager to report style setup. Just to give some background, while I'm still accountable for our customer success team, I actually share the strategic and tactical load just as much as those in my team do. And it's more so the case because we're also a startup and we're quite lean. So when I spoke to my manager about this concern, he reassured me that this is actually a style of leadership called servant leadership wherein the manager is of service to those in their team. In this dynamic, managers work much more collaboratively with those in their team to enable them to succeed. And ultimately, this enables the company overall to succeed as well. So with more and more companies these days trying to keep structure lean and minimally hierarchical, I think this makes a lot of sense and it inherently suits my personality too. I see my team members more as friends and collaborators that I work with and not quite sit above. And I've also noticed that managers and leaders from various successful organizations follow this approach as well of servant leadership. So I definitely encourage all young managers and those aspiring to grow in their careers to keep this in mind as they start their journey towards leadership. Thank you for that really useful tip. So it's basically serving your team members, enabling them and almost yeah. treating them as your first customers, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because I really care about those in my team. I want to see them succeed. Their success is my success. And of course, our customers' success too. And Sumitra, whom do you admire in business? I'm really inspired by entrepreneur Pooja Shankar. So she took her own real world problem, which was missing out on learning via discussions with classmates, because not everyone has that group or opportunity in school to have their own group or community to learn from, especially when you have these challenging assignments, like what we spoke about back in my grad school days, right? So she had that problem and she spun up a solution. And that solution was Piazza, which is an online forum that makes it easy for college students to learn from one another and from their TAs and teachers as well. It's been really well adopted by many great schools, especially across the U.S., like Stanford, MIT, Berkeley, Georgia Tech, to name a few. And in fact, I used Piazza myself as a grad student at Stanford and in classes where I didn't have too much of a group. It was definitely really helpful to provide that forum for me to discuss any pressing questions I had on assignments and problem sets. So she's someone that I certainly admire. I also wanted to say that inspiration can be found closer to home as well. I'm inspired by my parents who are computer science PhDs and have been involved in a decent amount of innovation in their fields. So constantly trying to aspire to reach their level. <laughs> And I'm also inspired by the amazing colleagues that I've worked with at CleverTap, particularly CleverTap's founding team, and also those I'm working with now at Linear B. Our founders, Ori and Dan, are so down-to-earth yet so driven to make an impact, so constantly inspired by them as well. Oh, it is wonderful to hear these shout-outs to the people who inspire you. I'm especially interested to look up some of them, Pooja Shankar and Piazza. It seems really wonderful. So thank you so much for sharing those with us. 
My pleasure. What is one question, Sumitra, that you wish other people would ask you more often? I wish people would ask me more often about what really is the essence of customer success. And I guess it's something that I keep thinking about myself. Customer success is so open-ended and it's really hard to determine in a nutshell what it is. But I would say if I could talk about what the essence of customer success is, I feel like it's empathy. I think it's important to be very empathetic to your customers. And I think that in turn can go a long way in terms of building a valuable two-way relationship with you and your customer. And this brings in a lot of effortlessness in delivering value. So I feel like always, always remember to be empathetic. And no matter what part of the customer success spectrum you're in, whether you're more technical, whether you're more of an account manager, I feel like empathy is always the number one keyword. This is such a beautifully explained essence of customer success. Thank you, Sumitra, for that. And thank you so much for this whole conversation. It was so nice just hearing so many of those great tips that you have for us today. Thank you so much for coming to the show. Maria, it was a pleasure to be here and talk about customer success and a little bit about my experience. And yeah, look forward to more such conversations, hopefully. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. Next week, new episode. Subscribe to the podcast and connect with me on LinkedIn so you're up to date with all the new episodes and the content I'm curating for you. Have a great day and talk to you soon.